episode 104 of the Hanging with Coach Tuning podcast, features fellow podcaster and friend, Coach James Kovaleski. Coach Kovo is a Dactronic sports marketer, a former Texas high school football head coach, a broadcaster, a proud half Japanese, half American, and has an expansive 430 plus jerseys collected, as well as co-host the Ace Down Pick'em podcast on YouTube and is the host of the Team Player podcast. Coach Kovo and I talk Super Bowl Chiefs versus Eagles, his journey into coaching, a few other heavy topics, and then I wrap it up by putting him on the hot seat for some start bench cut jersey edition. Make sure to check out both of his podcasts and give him a follow on Twitter and YouTube. Before we jump into today's episode, just a few housekeeping things. Remember to follow the show on Twitter at HWCN Podcast and share this episode or any other you find value in. Please don't forget to give us a good rating and review to help grow the show. If you're in the Dallas area and are looking for some fantastic custom cookies, look almost good, too good to eat, check out Texas Treaties. If you're needing some new and updated and stylish menswear, check out Etiquette Dawn. If you need a coffee that works as hard as you do, or is as strong as your squat bench or deadlift, check out Viking Coffee Company. If you're needing a fast, quick, and efficient way to sanitize your weight room, your locker room, your office, or whatever, check out Xanago Sprayer. Enjoy today's episode with Coach Kovo. On today's episode of the Hanging with Coach Noonan podcast, I am joined by Coach James Kovaleski, a.k.a. Coach Kovo. You guys know him as the host of the Team Player podcast. I've uh, been been a guest on there, humbled to have been a guest on there because uh, you've had so many phenomenal people uh, on throughout um, just coaching in general. Um, but, you know, now we'll we'll flip it and we'll put you on the other side of the mic, man. And, and now you're in the <laughs> now you're in the interview chair. Uh, but welcome to the Hanging with Coach Newton podcast, man. I, I appreciate all the support that you give the podcast, man. We have so many good exchanges about you know, what you're learning off of mine and, and just the things that I learn off the people that you've had on is just phenomenal. Yeah, no coach, man, I'm honored to be here. Like to me, this is like the Holy grail of podcasting. Like I've made it to the show. Cause I, <laughs> I remember when I started my podcast and again, it was honestly one of my former players started a podcast that kind of inspired me to just get off my butt and just do it. I'd kind of, t- I've kind of toyed with the idea for a long time, but was kind of, you know, just afraid or whatever. And Finally just did it, but I, I listened to your podcast a lot and drew a lot of inspiration for that. And I just, I love your professionalism, man. I love how insightful you are. And I mean, as a former coach myself and a guy that values fitness, I love listening to kind of the, the strength and conditioning component that you bring, man. I love that, that just the expertise you have. So I'm honored to be here, man. I can't match it in that regard anymore. I mean, th- those days have kind of sailed for me uh, as far as talking, you know, specifically like a lot of your guests do, but I'm loving to talk anything you want to talk about, man. I'm, I'm definitely here for it. Oh man! Once a coach, always a coach. Coach Kovo was was former uh, Texas high school head football coach, former offensive sorry, coordinator. Sorry. So defensive, so, actually defensive. Defensive, sorry, defensive. Yep, yep. So don't let the man fool you. He is he is a wealth <laughs> of knowledge, and he can bust out a, a, a you know a dry erase and, and get to work on on some board wars. I mean, yeah, yeah. You have you have to know enough, right, to to win your your pickums for the year. Uh, you just recently dove into the realm of YouTube and you've got a, uh, the, the H town pick'em podcast on YouTube. Uh, we were talking before we hit record, how you, uh, 
you and your your former nose guard uh, started this, and uh, you know you won all your um, high school pickums, right? And now you're going to branch into uh, the Houston Roughnecks and the Gamblers uh, as we you know move away from NFL and move towards um, you know off season draft or whatnot, and then we fill you know with the AFL um, or the USFL, whatever. Yeah. XFL, XFL and USFL. Yep, yep. Okay. I can't keep up with all the FL and the uh, the AF the Arena Football League is coming back, the and Arena they're going to have football. sixteen teams. Okay. And uh, I, I'm I'm a huge fan of these kind of I I don't want to call them minor league. I don't know what you call them, but these like spring football leagues. Like I I really get into them, man. I just kind of love yeah. it. We're blessed that Houston has a team in both, so uh, I'm definitely I'm all in. <laughs> yeah, you know I, I like it too. It's one. I mean. For football, if you're a football junkie, you love it because it's just more football. And I know that people complain about, you know, arena this, you know, what yada yada, but you're still watching it. So, you know, I I enjoyed watching, um, you know, USFL. I'm curious to see what The Rock does with the XFL. You know, that that I think that got the original XFL was in the early 2000s. I think when I was in high school and college. So, you know, that was an interesting. adventure it was trying to be edgy or whatnot and right then you know just money fell out um but i'm glad that you know houston is a part of this as a as a houston native houston boy it's it's important that we're represented um in a lot of these sports markets because i think we're still um as a city right houston is still kind of looked down on as a small market but it's one right. of the largest cities in the country. We man, we get it. We could definitely get into the, the <clears throat> coastal media bias <laughs> down that route. I mean, it rears its head bad. Obviously, baseball. You know, our Astros being on the national stage, and just there's so many things we could talk about there. You know, the Yankees and, and their their backing. You know, uh, or at least my perceived backing of them through the media. But uh, yeah, I, I'm on the same page as you on that one for sure. So, so talk to me, man, about. You know, let's let's kind of rewind a little bit for people that don't know you um, okay. and haven't found the Team Player podcast and heard your story. Um, you know, you started. You know, we, we talked about on, on my episode the connection we have to the Fort Bend area. Um, you know, but as well as the connection to just outside the loop and inside the loop type deal. Um, so just kind of walk us through. You know, growing up going to Austin college and then all of a sudden getting into coaching. Yeah. So unique thing about me, I was not born in this country. You know, I was, I was born in Japan. I have a Japanese mother. Uh, So you, you know, you and I share this. We're both biracial essentially, you know, and uh, I I was talking to Andres Gomez, the head football coach at Northbrook. His episode's coming out soon for my team player podcast. And he's Hispanic. His wife is Caucasian. And so his daughters are going to be kind of experienced. And I was just telling him, you know, for, for biracial children, it is, again, it's one of those things where unless you, unless you've been in it, it it's kind of hard to understand, you know, and it's just something that, that we feel. And um, I was talking to Coach Gomez. One interesting thing is, even though I'm a v- extremely patriotic, proud American, I got to admit, when World Cup time comes, like international soccer, I find myself rooting for Japan. Yeah, and it, it's just something I don't know if you feel the same way, international Olympics or things like that, like. I'm just very proud of my Japanese heritage. Now I'm, I'm sad that I don't know as much as I want to know. I don't speak Japanese. I've only been back a handful of times, but there's that, that is that pride that you can't, it's not going to go away. It's inside of all of us, you know? So that's kind of interesting, but that was my background. 
Uh, my dad was in the army. So that's kind of how he ended up in Japan. He's originally from uh, Rockford, Illinois. And uh, yeah, so was born in Tokyo, lived there for a year and then came to America. Always been into sports. Um, I was a little, I was a little chubster as I like to say, man. So I always wanted to play football, but my mom would not allow me to play <laughs> all the way through until seventh grade. I finally pestered her enough and she allowed me to play. And, uh, yeah, I started playing seventh grade, being a little chubby kid, got thrown on the line. Uh, as I got into high school, I kind of thinned out more to like my, my frame now, which probably was not an offensive lineman, <laughs> you know, but at, by that point I was so deep into it. I was, no, I was an O lineman, uh, through high school and college. I played some D end, but also O line. And, uh, but yeah, that was it, man. I fell in love with sports. I loved my coaches. It was my entire identity. Um, I always share this on my podcast. I had, I, I was a, like many of us are, I was a kid that kind of grew up with like some domestic abuse issues inside the house. And so it's a kind of, tra- I mean, honestly, it's kind of traumatic childhood experience, to be honest with you. Um, just being that kid every night, just hoping I can fall asleep to not hear my parents fighting anymore. Cause it was like every night, just screaming downstairs. You're just trying to get to get to sleep so I can get in the car and get the hell out of here and get to school where coach Kitterman and all my coaches that I love and love me and just make me feel important and special. That, that was my sanctuary school. And maybe not only students like that, but it was for me. And the thing I always told my kids when I was coaching is when I was going through that experience, I always felt like no one else understands all my friends, their parents are so perfect. They got the storybook, you know, and I'm the only one going through this, but the reality is that's, that's not really true. Since so many instances now, as time has passed on, finding out things about some of my friends' parents and some of the things that were going on. You know, it's just, we all have warts or whatever you want to call it, right? We all have those to some extent. And, you know, not everyone, but to some extent we have it. So that's what I always tell the kids. If you're struggling, man, or something, don't don't feel like you're the only one that there's anything wrong with you. A lot of us are going through it. So long story short, man, those traumatic experiences, what really drew me to, to, to my coaches, especially like wanting like a, a, what I would consider a better example of what a father figure should be. You know, I was just drawn to my coaches, especially coach Kitterman. He's the offensive coordinator now at uh Cy falls high school. And I, I love that man. I do broadcasting now. And uh, I broadcast one of his games this year. It, he's in the middle of a district ball game, fighting for the playoffs, neck and neck intense game. I see him as he comes back out of the halftime break, just as he's about to return to the booth and I'm, you know, I'm broadcasting the booth next door and he sees me in, in he coaches so hard. His eyes are bloodshot because he puts blood, sweat, and tears into it. But as soon as he sees me, he's about to go use the restroom. He stops. He sees me. He goes, oh, and he gives, comes give me a big hug. And he's like, how's your family? And you know what? Noonan, you know, like that just really hit me. Like this, this man is like, has not changed in 30, in 20 years. You know, he's in the middle of coaching his ass off to win this game. And he's so intense. And he just wants to use a restroom before he can go back. He has to go back and get right back into it. And he's going to drop everything. And all he wants to know is how my family's doing. And I mean, th- that's why coaches are so important, right? So that it's, these are the kind of people that are with our kids. And I guess it was that, just that whole feeling my entire life of loving coaches. And now that, you know, I've, I've, I'm no longer a coach technically, although I'm still at games every three nights, every week broadcasting, because I love it. I was like, I want to put a spotlight on these people. I think sometimes when, now that I'm broadcasting, I see a lot of the negativity directed at coaches. And it pisses me off. You know, honestly, that was a big part of it. Now being a broadcaster, I'm no longer on the sideline of the headset. Like I hear everything now when I'm inside of these basketball gyms and stuff like that. And I, I hate the negativity that I see directed at coaches when, in my opinion, coaches are some of the most important people in our society. So that, that really pushed me to start the podcast and to, to loop back around and answer your question. 
I was like, I just want to put off much of a positive spotlight on these people. So we don't talk X's and O's. It's if you're looking for X's and O's, it's not an X's and O's sports podcast. It's just talking about who they are as people. And I love it, man. I, I it's my, it's my baby, man. It's my passion project. And I, I we, we put out an episode every week, uh, coming up, on, coming up on episode number 52. So it will be one year of straight content. I'm, I'm very proud of that. That's awesome, man. Um, you know, and, and I just, I love the, I love the reason why you started your podcast. Um, it's kind of similar to where my initial thought with my podcast was, was like, let's just go beyond the X's and O's, right? Let's yeah. go beyond um, to steal the title of an, of another podcast that exists beyond sets and reps. Uh, Coach Pat Ivy has that podcast, um, which I think is an awesome name for a, for a deal. Yeah. Um, you know, but it, that's the deal. It, it's, there are a lot of great schematic podcasts that already exist, whether it's for football, strength, conditioning, whatever. And I, to me, that's not my forte. Like, do I understand the defense that we run? Yeah, it's my job to. Do I understand how to coach the defensive line? Yes, it's my job to. And I love it. And I, you know, I've coached linebackers. I've been a defensive coordinator before. Like, I get all that. But at the end of the day, you ask any coach, right, what is the what is the most important thing about coaching? They're all going to say relationship building. Yep. Well, it's equally as important to build those relationships with the people you work with on a day in and day out basis, right? Like I, I would venture to guess when you started broadcasting and I, I don't know how many, how often you're broadcasting solo versus with somebody, but uh -huh. you know, you and I both grew up in Houston at a time where every, well, we really only had two major sports teams um you know because once the oilers left sure but i don't i don't remember a lot of oiler broadcasts um but i remember astros and rockets right i remember yeah. the astros milo hamilton um and I, I forget the longtime guy that was with him in the in the box um or the strohs yeah I don't, uh, I don't, was, but I know Larry Durker was doing it for a Larry, while. Larry Durker did it for a while. Milo Hamilton did it, but they were both on the, on the, um, on the radio side. Right. But then on, on like the TV side with the Rockets, right. It yeah. was, um, Calvin Bill Royal, Bill Royal and yeah. Calvin Murphy. Like, That's right. Yep. <laughs> that was, that was just, but the rapport and that connection made it even better right like it was right. important for that relationship building to exist so you know when a coach goes on to your podcast you may not really know them i mean we didn't know That's each right. other other than a few exchanges on twitter and you know six degrees of separation we're we were we're separated by you know one person um who That's was right. my head football coach that we talked about on your podcast but you know outside of that it's um it's one of those deals where you have a connection already because of what you've gone through, um, yes. at least from a coaching standpoint. But then, you know, there's there are, I'm sure, plenty of people that, um, you know, have had those traumatic experiences sure. that you talked about. You know, I, I know growing up, you know, we were we had a, a stable household, but there were times where it was difficult, you know, sure. from my mom and dad. And 
Um, you know, there was even considerations of, I wonder if they're going to get divorced. Right. Um, yep. You know, and, and that's, that's one of those deals where, you know, you, like you said, like, I wonder if I'm the only one that's going through this. Um, yep. But it's, it's all part of a bigger plan that's out of our hands. Right. You know, and, and I think without having gone through those, through those things, we're not here and we don't get to share and we don't get to connect um, the way that we get to now. Right. To talk about being a, a biracial child, right. Yeah. You have the honor of being the first, uh, I think the first, not only Asian American, but specifically, you know, Japanese uh, on, on the podcast. So congratulations to that. You're, you are I'm, a, I'm honored. A pioneer yes, and a trendsetter. So, um, but you know, the guy Marshall law used to always tout that <laughs> he was so proud of me. He's like, he's one of the first Asian head football coaches in six, eight football. He <laughs> just love talking about that, man. I, I love coach law. He, he's salt of the earth person. Oh Absolutely. yeah. Yeah. So, so let's, but I want to kind of, let's touch on that a little bit uh, about being the first, right. And, and, with with February being Black History Month, right? And you talk about the history of of African Americans in American society, right? And let's kind of get away from the textbook things, just kind of from like a you know five thousand foot view. Like when you look at the football and the athletic landscape in Texas, right? Cause that's where we, we have spent all our time. So let's kind of look from there. Right. Okay. Do you still feel like there is a glass ceiling on minorities in coaching? That's a great question, you know, and I don't know if I'm equipped to answer it fully, but I can give you my, some of my observations. Right. Um, I, I feel like, okay. So for instance, the the new the, the current head coach at Aldine High School is a guy named Cirilla Ojeda, and he is excellent. He you know, and I, I don't know if you're involved in the Hispanic Texas High School Football Coaches Association, but Coach Ojeda yeah. sits on the board. He's been an instrumental in kind of, and I think you may, you may have been as well one of the pioneers of getting that going off the ground, right? Yeah, I was on the board initially, and yep. then I step I stepped away for personal reasons. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's it was an honor to be a part of that and what what he has helped do, you know, along with somebody like. Marco Regalado to to yep. you know take that as that thought and that dream and put it into fruition is is awesome. See, because the thing with Coach Aheda that he shared with me on the podcast was he said when his whole career going through Pasadena High School, he saw one Hispanic coach the entire time, and it was like a freshman coach, you know, not in a leadership position. So I do believe that there is some of that subconscious, like you believing like okay maybe this field is not for me you know because when, when i don't see people that look like me in leadership positions or, or around in general or especially in leadership positions um i i can only because for me even though i am biracial and i'm very proud to be japanese and the football side of it i identified as white basically you know i never really identified with the asian side there like i i felt like i was a, a polish white kovaleski you know like and so i saw coaches that kind of you know looked like me and so i i never felt it but talk, again, like I've talked about, I'm a big believer in if someone who hasn't walked the same life as you is telling you, I feel this way, I take them at face value and believe them. That's a big pet peeve of mine when people try to tell other people how to think and feel. 
you know, I'll never understand what it's like to be a Hispanic football player or an African-American football player, black football player. You know, I don't understand. So whenever my friends and, and people that I love, guys like Brandon Richard, you know, your old teammate, when they tell me things, I take it at face value that I trust them and I believe them. And so, you know, for Coach Aheda to talk about how, how, it, how that kind of stuck with them, I think that this, this organization is so important. And as far as a glass ceiling, I think obviously changes are being made. Because, I mean, at one point, again, talking of Coach Aheda and looking back, I mean, at one point, I mean, these positions felt pretty much solely reserved for, for white coaches, you know, in, in history. It's changing. And I think also one thing that I, I feel is like, I want, you know, maybe there needs to be progress in not just the Hispanic coaches don't just get jobs at places that are like 80 plus percent Hispanic, right? They're, they're still good football coaches. They can coach in a place that's 90, 90% white or 90% black, right? You know what I mean? You see what I'm saying? And so um, I think at Austin Westlake, you know, the decision made there, uh, you know, uh, to, to, to promote the defensive coordinator. I'm, I'm sorry, his name. I, I have not met him personally. Do you... Tony Salazar. Tony Salazar. Yep. Mm -hmm. So Tony Salazar for, you know, a, a Hispanic coach to take over, you know, perhaps the premier program or one of the premier programs in the state, that was a big step in my opinion. Oh, hundred percent agree. You know, um, and then up the road from where, where I'm at, excuse me, um, Michael, I believe his first name is Michael, but Quintero who came from yeah. Reda, who who's now at Cedar park, but was at Cedar park um, a while ago as a, I believe as a defensive coordinator and now back there as the head coach, uh, I think he got the job two seasons ago. Um, you know, so it, now is I don't know how much of those were done because the association exists more as, you know, Coach Salazar has been at Westlake for a long time. He's he's entrenched in that. Sure in that school, in that community, in that system. So to promote from within is really more of just a logical choice than it is like, you know, I, and I don't know, I, I, I don't know how the decisions were made in the, in the board meetings and whatnot. Um, but, you know, same thing with coach Quintero, like he had ties to Cedar park. And so he was successful at Red Oak, um, you know, so you, you, I hope and 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 I'm I'm optimistic that this association and I do believe there is one um, for black coaches and then I know that um, Coach Tony Schiffman started one for Jewish coaches that there are some changes being made in terms of progress. Um, but you know I've had this discussion with my wife like you know I don't. I don't want to be a, a, I don't want to be hired on the basis of checking a box. Yeah. Right. I, I, I hate that, but she's like, so what if you are, you take that position, whatever it is, and you just go knock it out the park. Like, so what they get you in on checking a box, but now that you're in the door, what are you going to do with it? And I'm like, you know, you know how, you know, mid are we're like, we're like, Oh, you're right. I don't want to admit that you're right, but you're right. Um, yeah. But, but you know, do you know that that check in the box thing though? That's to me, that's so like kind of subjective in a way. Like we'll never know, right? Why the decision? You know what I mean? Because like I've I, I gotta admit I've heard that in the past when I was coaching, where I've heard coaches insinuate, oh, so and so only got the job, no kind of like motion to their skin color, you know, uh, on their hand, you know. And I, I just, how do we know that? How do you know that? 
you know, and I, I kind of that's another kind of pet peeve of mine to just discount somebody's work and their resume and you know, their their achievement just for a reason that someone else put on it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we, we weren't in those meetings and hearing what those lead because like it, those are difficult decisions. But yeah, I didn't mean to cut you off there. But like, I, I you know what I mean? I, I'm sure all of us coaches, we, we've, we've probably overheard that at some point in a corridor and in, in a room somewhere. And I don't know. I don't know, Peter. It's like, I feel like someone like you, if you're going to get hired, to me, it's not checking a box. I mean, anyone can, can listen to your podcast and see the level of professionalism you're putting into the job and the pride you take into it. So um, I don't know, man. I'm really interested you brought that up, though. Yeah, you know, and I've had that. Obviously, the longer you go in something, I mean, there's always going to be those potential, you know, undertones that you wonder about. But the longer you go, the more you have those experiences on your resume and the more people can validate your, your work, you know, you're, you're worried less and less about that as a young person. Um, you know, it's like, and I've seen it at other places where I think it's less, it would be less about skin color and more of what did they just got? What did they just get done doing? Oh, they played at X college. They played in the pros like, well, yeah, but it doesn't necessarily make them any more qualified to be that coach. Like, you know, cause I've been in places where they get, you know, they hire, you know, power five division one guys. And those guys are not great coaches. They, they can be good relationship builders and they can connect with kids because they have, you know, a tangible, like, oh, I was just there at that level. You want to get here. Here's what I did. But then it's like when you factor in all the other things about coaching, it's like they're missing on these parts, right? That, that part where you – you do the extra, you do what's needed to be done because it needs to be done. Not because it's assigned to you. You really get what you're saying, but I, you know, I just, I, I totally agree. Like I've heard, you know, people say, you know, it's cause of color or whatever, but I, I, I we can't know that. And I just, I don't, I think we got to be careful of like just ascribing traits to one group of people or, and even the thing you said about like the former players, like I've, yeah, th- that can be true. You know, where a former player may have a great resume, but not have that work ethic at the same time, they might have the work ethic on the flip side of that. I have seen some people say, like, if you haven't played at a, you know, at a high level, you can't be a great coach. I disagree. I, I disagree with that, to be honest with you. Um, you look at the Super Bowl, I mean, Andy Reid, Nick Sirianni, I don't believe any of those, those guys aren't pro players. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, I think that, like, I do think, yes, it helps if you played the game. It It helps you know, in some regards, but I feel like if you're ready to work and, and be a student of the game, and especially now, I don't know if you want to go down this road, but women beginning to coach in football, I'm, a, I'm for it. And, you know, and a lot of women, maybe they haven't fit physically played football, but again, I believe they can be an asset to the staff if they're willing to do the work that it takes and they learn that this, you know, the, the skills they need, I, I'm a full support of it, but you know, that that's another new, new development for sure. As far as, you know, filling out that staff. Yeah. Well, you know, and and we've both had Kevin Swift on our podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, and his daughter, you know, as a coach's kid, um, and I've had her on mine. And you know, if she wanted to, she could get into any kind of um 
whether it was coaching directly or front office, whatever, like she, she's well, well versed in, in those types of things where she could easily get it done. Um, and then there's plenty others. Um, and it's not just right. The stereotypical coaching roles or the, or those, or those sports like, you know, volleyball, softball, basketball right. track, like, yeah, there are, there are more than qualified women to coach football, even though they may have not have played at the highest level in terms of the NFL. Um, and I'm sure at some point, it, maybe, maybe in our lifetime, maybe not in our lifetime, there will be a woman to play in the NFL, but you know, it's also one of those deals where, you know, I didn't play college ball. I didn't play after high school. Um, but it didn't stop me from learning the game and, and finding ways to improve. So how can we say that there's not a chance for a woman to learn the game, continue to improve as a coach, build those relationships and, and go forward. We've already seen it happen at various levels, um, you know, in high school and in college and in the pros. So I think it's only going to be more and more of an occurrence now where the, changes will have to be will be to me in terms of like obviously in the coach's office right how do you build a coach's office that now can you know facilitate both male and female how do you build facilities that better facilitate male and female um you know i think it's it's one of those deals where these kinds of conversations need to be in it had in these planning processes, right? And before you break ground, you need to have these, you need to have had these conversations and forethought. Um, you know, I talked about it with a buddy of mine. The problem with education is it's so reactionary. It's not proactive, mm-hmm. right? We're, we're always, oh yeah, well, let's do this now, right? The whole, you know, 88 thing. Oh yeah. Um, well, we got people that, roll around in wheelchairs and have crutches. Oh yeah. Let's go back and put a ramp in instead of, Oh, Hey, by the way, like somebody's elderly grandma is going to come to the game. Let's make sure that we can properly accommodate them before we've built everything out and we have zero money in the budget and we got a Jerry rigger ramp. Like let's talk to the people that are going to use this space, potentially what it would look like. And how is it going to function so that it's equitable for everybody? Yeah, man, totally agree. And like, you know, one last thought, one last thought, then a question, I guess, for you. Um, okay. As far as you're talking about, like with, with minority candidates, like maybe yourself and, and achieve, you know, as you move up your coaching ladder and, and checking a box and things like that. I mean, I think the first step, though, what we need to do is get more people like Peter Noonan into the profession, Right. And that, that's what I think, you know, for these kids, when they're not seeing coaches that look like them, I think it, it may, it may, I, my opinion, it'll influence them to maybe go pursue other careers where they see people that are more like them. I think that's the first step, right? Is just getting more coaches into the profession. And naturally, as you know, the cream will rise at the top, but if there's just such a small you know pool to choose from, I think, yeah, of course, it's going to limit the amount of quality applicants you have. But as, as that pool grows and grows and grows, you know, iron sharpens iron, cream rise the top, all your little, you know, it, I think it's obviously going to improve, um, Im- improve those issues. But one thing that, that upsets me and I'm again, I'm not in education currently. I'm, 
I work for Dactronics. So I work with schools selling scoreboards. So I'm, I'm kind of on the fringe of it and I do broadcasts and I'm around it, but not in it. I just get real nervous when I see pushes to like scale back like PE and health and athletics. I just think that is one of the, it's a big mistake in my personal opinion, as I watch as a country, maybe our, our, our overall health decline. And those have big impacts, right? In, in terms of medical costs and insurance costs. And I just, and of course our, our lives and our happiness, like the, the most important thing is our health, right? <laughs> to live this life, you know? So I just think that's a big mistake when I see people kind of snickering and scoffing when you build a new stadium or put in a video board at a stadium. Like I, I'm just on the other camp of that. I think we need to develop these facilities. And again, we also need to make sure that it's not just sports. We, we have to do a good job of that. It cannot be just everything for the football team. I am shocked that we don't have more indoor practice facilities and multi-use indoor practice. This is not a football practice facility, but we need these. What happens when it rains? I remember when Coach LaFavors uh, yeah. in week one, they're going to they're go out to Austin and play Westlake. He's the head coach at Ridgepoint. He told me, Kovo, every single day this week, we're about to go play the number one team in the state. We practice inside of a gym. Yeah. And I mean, but what about, there's other groups also wanting, that, that was one of my reasons why I'm not no longer an athletic administrator is when it rains, everybody wants to use the gym, right? So those headaches of handling and being equitable and fair and, and using those limited spaces, like we just need more spaces where our students can be involved in activities in inclement weather. I, I'm very firm on that. I'm I'm hundred percent with you, man. And and sorry not to cut you off. Oh yeah, that's like, it. Yeah, you know that's my fight and and my quest is, you know, I, I'm at a kind of a I would say a little bit of a crossroads in my career in that you know I love coaching football, but I I mean you could tell like I love strength conditioning. We've yeah. had conversations, and as I grow in that, like there's a need for a full time strength and conditioning coach at every campus because that we um the same buddy I had a conversation with about education being um, reactionary he said he he presented a couple of weekends ago he said education is held together by other duties as assigned and I'm like dang that's that's absolutely true right that's the loophole that gets everything like in your contract with Dactronics how often are you other duties as a sign when you, when you're in broadcast, obviously with broadcasting, there are certain things that just come with it, right? Yeah. You, you understand to get there early. You understand a setup. you understand a test like those are, but that's really not other duties. It's just part of the job. Like I get laundry is part of the job as a football coach or whatever. Like you got to, we got to wash the clothes. Cool. Okay, fine. But it's, you know, um, trying to think of what is really just true do other duty. I mean, just your 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 quote unquote duty stations, right? You got to be posted right. here at this time to ensure this, that, the other, right? You don't have these, you know, if you're on lunch duty, um, you know, so to me, it's like we need to have we need to have those 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 facilities, those people in place, um, because the weight room, you know, you talk about people scoff at um the building of new uh facilities right why don't we have more indoors um you know part of it is a, it's a property tax thing right they don't want to pay more but they right the deal is people that don't have kids or people that their kids have already graduated right they're 
they don't see the desire to invest in the next generation the way that I think other countries do, sure. right? Do they like that's part of that better culture, right? right. Um we want to make sure that these kids have the best opportunity better than what we had. Whereas you have some people that are like, I had this, I'm fine. You know, screw you. You don't need it. Um, but you know, in, in our, on our powerlifting team, I've got a kid who is a band kid. Actually I have two, one, one that competes and one just, just comes trains because his younger brother's a sophomore. Um, band kid, initially didn't want to compete in a powerlifting meet. I took him to one. He had a blast. He shows up on a consistent basis, right? This kid never works out really with the football kids because he comes in the morning. Um, most of the football kids are all after school because we start athletics at the beginning of the day. He went to that meet. All those football kids that were there embraced him, helped him out. Nobody shunned him, right? It's, it's so... You can't you can't just sit here and tell me that like this stuff isn't inclusive. Like you just when you put away preconceived notions and 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 stuff like man, it's just things would be a lot better. I mean, I get it. It's human nature to to have these thoughts and 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 whatnot. Um, but most of the time, it's it's so just ridiculous. Like you know, and I'll catch myself like what is this kid doing here? And then all of a sudden he blows my, blows me away with, with their abilities, um, you know, or they are at least become receptive to, to coaching, um, you know, or the, the, the business people that, you know, have spurred away helping. And then all of a sudden they jump in full go. And you're like, why haven't you been helping this whole time? Like, you're a great asset to this and this is only helping you because now you're reaping the benefits of what you're, you're putting into the, into the deal. Like I think we need more trade. Like we need to stop trying to push kids into four-year colleges because it's feeding the system. Like when the world shut down to, you know, two, three years ago, trucks still rolled, you know, people still think needed things fixed. So you still had plumbers, you still had electricians, you still had welding, you, you still have carpentry, like all of that stuff still goes on. Like, why are we, why are we not investing more into that? Um, the four Man, year, we, co- we can go down a whole round. Oh, I, com- I completely agree with you. I completely agree with you, man. And to me, it all goes back to like, you want, people want to feel like they belong somewhere. Yeah. You know? And like, I, I go back to my, there's a lot of kids going through stuff at home. You know, if I didn't have, if I didn't have football, who knows what would happen to me? I mean, I, I my, you know, obviously we you know now, Back then, we didn't talk about mental health, but like we talk a lot about, you know, more now. But like, if I didn't have football, like that was my whole identity and my happiness at that point in my life, you know? And if I didn't have that, like it would just be a, a awful existence, honestly, every time you come home, you know, and there'd be nothing to, to relieve that. Um, so I, I support anytime kids are getting involved in something, I'm, a, I'm supporting it 100%. And I think, the, I think this, the disconnect is some people want it just to be provided as like an activity, not understanding those of us that are in it, whether we're banned whether we're football, whatever we are, we want to be the best. And it's just constantly pushing that envelope to get better and better. And so that's the facilities piece. But again, whole different, whole different (laughs) topic there, you know, but uh, as far as the trades, again, some students, maybe they don't, they don't like an academic. There's not, they're not, their strength is in the other things. 
which to me, I wish I had those strengths and they're very valuable and they can set themselves up for a great life pursuing some of those trades, not yeah. racking up the crippling student loan debt that we hear so much about oh, yeah. and going into high paying jobs that are in demand. And again, something they can be proud of because they're good at it. So yeah. to me, anytime you, you provide as many avenues as possible for kids to achieve in something and, and excel, I'm all for it. hundred percent. No doubt, man. Well, you know, speaking of, of providing opportunity and avenues for Excel, right. We're, we're both on the older side of, of the yeah. spectrum in terms of, of age, but you know, this, you, you talk about you're learning YouTube now with your, with your new yeah. podcast venture. Right. And, and just to kind of go back to like the, the avenues and opportunities, um, where are we at with that in, in school? Like all these kids, you ask these kids, right? Hey, what do you want to do? Uh, I want to be an influencer. I want to be a YouTuber. I want to do, okay, cool. All right. Do you realize how long it takes and how much effort goes in? Like, it's just not an overnight deal. Like sure. you have to, you know, you talk about putting out content on a weekly basis. Like that's a lot of time commitment. And, and you know, it's like, where are we at with, teaching these kids that type of stuff but anyway to spin it forward uh to to what you're doing with it now you know kind of talk it talk about you know your high school pickums um but then also now with the gamblers uh and the roughnecks yeah man so like to me in my in my opinion i don't understand the influencer world i'm almost 40 <laughs> years old uh you know my co-host is like 25 he's my old nose guard and so he gets it more and he's into he's into fitness like you are he's a big time power lifter you know, he's a lot like you, strong guy. And so he's seen a lot in the fitness world. There's a lot of influencers. So he goes to a pretty competitive gym where there's a lot of, you know, whatever fitness influencers that work out there and take selfies of themselves and stuff like that. So he understands that world better than I do. I do this because I think it's fun. I, I you know, um, I was in coaching. I became a head coach. That was my dream. And I did it when I was 30. You know, that's the, I got the I got my job when I was 30. I was blessed to be on a great program at Ridgepoint. I was a successful defensive coordinator. So I got an opportunity young. I was not ready. If I could go back now as a 39 year old person, I, I think I'd be so much better. I, I honestly think about that. Like so much, I could go I could just with maturity. You know, I just wasn't ready at that point. I thought I was, but I wasn't. And it was one of those feelings, you know, Noonan, where it's like, this was my dream. It's not what I expected. And it wasn't the football or the coaching. It was the administrative side for me. I, I didn't have those administrative chops at that time. Maybe I never, maybe I never did. Maybe I was always meant to be a great assistant. Maybe so. I always tell myself if, if I go back into coaching, I would just be somebody's great assistant linebackers coach or whatever you want me. <laughs> you know, like I would just be that guy. Like, oh, we got Kovo on staff. He's, he's a good guy. You know, we, we can trust him. That's what I, that'd be my role because I didn't like the administrative piece for me. You know, you're spending less time with the kids, you're, you're more time with adults. And I, you know, those were the things that I didn't enjoy managing. And so you, you, this was my dream though, my entire life, ever since I started in seventh grade playing football, I, I wanted to be a head high school football coach in Texas. A lot of people listening to the show probably share that same dream. And it's just not cut out for everyone. And from, I learned that. And I understood like, man, it's kind of one of those things, like whenever you, you, you have your dream and you achieve it fast and it's like, I've got my whole life ahead of me. I kind of wanted a new challenge personally. And so that's why I stepped away. I still wanted to be involved. So I did a couple of different sales jobs, but eventually finding Dactronics was perfect for me. Now I'm working with coaches. What I do 
my my role at Dactronics, like my duty <laughs> that's assigned for me, is I help schools when they want to make video board purchases. I help them find sponsors for that money to to fund it. You know, so I'll put together a marketing plan. I'll go to I'll go to meetings with them with the local bank and the car dealership and the hospital system, and I help them try to get that money to try to purchase these video boards to see at these stadiums. So that's what I do, and I love it. Like I go to work helping my buddies that are in athletic administration try to get a video board to their stadium and enhance the game day experience for their their community. That's a dream job for me, you know, in, in my background, because it also then allows me to do a thing that I found like. I was passionate. About, I think I'm, I'm decent at it is broadcasting. I really enjoy calling these games. And so now I can go call my buddy's games at, you know, Jimmy Hammond out at seven lakes. I've called several of his games and it, I love that. I love being up in the booth and just sh again, shining a spotlight on the beauty of high school athletics. So I do football. I do basketball. I've done soccer. I've done a little bit of softball. I mean, I, wherever you, wherever you want me at a high school event, I'm supporting. And I, and I so I love broadcasting. So for me, I have a, I'm more because I'm old school, you know, I'm more like, I'd rather have a day job, you know, and a 401k. And then let me do my, let me do my podcasting stuff as my passion as a hobby, more so than being an influencer, making it my career. That's just me. And that's probably, I'm sure I could do a better job promoting my podcast. If I put more effort into the social media aspect of it, no doubt about it, no doubt about it. I get more listeners and followers and subscribers, but it's just not me. You know, I've got a, I've got a, I became a dad this year. So I have a son that I want to spend time with. And, um, so for me, I have my day job, which I love, and then it finishes and I can pursue my other interests, which is broadcasting high school games. And then also the podcasting, the podcasting went so well, you know, following your model, I use anchor, like, you know, like you do. And it, it was honestly surprisingly easy, <laughs> you know, hope I'm not jinxing myself or whatever, but <laughs> I was surprised how easy it was to actually get some product out there. And it wasn't great at first. You know, and I got better. My guest, my guest really made the show, you know, but you get better and better. And then I was like, okay, this other thought that I had is like, I love college game day. I love how they bring the guest picker on there. You know, Matthew McConaughey or whoever come out there and make their picks. And I was like, why don't we do this for high school here in Houston? And that was it. That was my thought. And I was like, you know, I, I always, I've, I kind of get lonely sometimes just being a one-on-one -on -one podcast host. I was like, I'd love to have a co-host. And so I, my, my former nose guard, Mike Obi, he'd already been podcasting. He was the one that got me into podcasts. I said, hey, Mike, let's collab on this, as, as the kids say. Like, you know, we, so we co-host together. We make the picks. And me and Mike went head-to-head. -head. I won the Triple Crown. I had the best regular season playoff and overall percentage. So I got him this year. He's gunning for me next year. But uh, that's how we did it. And then we'd bring on, like, a journalist each week to be our guest picker, a journalist or, or someone involved in the game. And that's what we did. So I started the YouTube portion of that. Now I like it, being able to show video, like, project our picks on the screen so fans you know viewers can follow along but that's been the main thing man and it's just it's hard to get subscribers that's the thing like youtube it's all about right drawing your base getting subscribers and i think it's i think there's people that watch but they don't click the subscribe button so that's that thing one <laughs> thing i'll say to anyone listening if you have if you know someone who's in the content production we're all trying to get to the point to where we can get some ad revenue from it right that's that's the goal i mean that that's the goal right so we only get that through through subscribers so I would love it if you checked it out, youtube.com uh, slash at H-Town Pick'em, H-Town Pick'em, P-I-C-K-E-M. That's where I'm at, but yeah, you, please subscribe or at least check out the show. But like my thing is, and I've told Mike this, you know, I just love doing it so much. Even if I never get anywhere near the subscribers you need to, to make it more of like a thing where you get ads, I don't care. <laughs> I just love doing it, you know, so I'm going to keep putting it out every week. So we did it like, you know, for 
what, 17 straight weeks? I mean, we went all the way through the state championships and we were kind of like, this was fun, but what do we do now? <laughs> you know, we're a, we're a high school football pick em podcast. Everybody's now they're in powerlifting and they're playing basketball and, you know, an off season, like, what do we talk about? And so I was like, it, it, it struck me that one of my former kids, Mike's old teammate is on the roster for the Roughnecks. So he's in camp, he's trying to make the team. And I was like, let's talk about the Roughnecks, you know? And we, I, so I have a connection. His, his name's Warren Thomas, uh, you know, a Ridgepoint high school grad. And he's, he's in there trying to earn a spot on the roster. So I was like, Warren, would you come on the show and talk to us about what it's like to, to be in the XFL? And he said, absolutely. So February 17th, I believe is going to be our first show. We're going to bring Warren on. We're going to talk about his experience. And then another hobby of mine, I do. I do like to like, I do like the sports bet, you know, gambling, whatever you want to call it. Like I enjoy that. I've never, I don't play blackjack or roulette. Or I don't, I don't do any of that kind of stuff. I, I do like betting on sports. And I was like, obviously high school football, there's no place for that. But like for the gamblers and the roughnecks, I was like, let's get the, let's get people that are interested in sports betting like myself, maybe interested in our show. So that, that's how we added that portion. Okay. Now we're talking with professionals. So it's still kind of got that team player feel where we're going to bring on a guest, hopefully, right. you know, and I, I want to try to find other guys that played high, football, football in Texas or the Houston area and bring them on the show that play in the XFL and the USFL. But we're also going to have that sports gambling aspect that I think a lot of people love. Like I like listening to shows that talk about like, you know, locks of the week and stuff like that. So we're going to do that. Just have fun with it. But yeah, that, that, that's how I got into YouTube. <laughs> that's, that's crazy, man. You know, and I, you know, everybody always asks like, what are you going to do? You know, do, do I need to, do I need to get my hair done or whatever for, for this? I'm like, no, I don't, I, I just use the video as a way to create a little bit more personal atmosphere. Like they're right. just in a cloud storage drive um and i don't intend to like release it because not everybody has like great areas or whatnot to record in and sure you know it's just one of those deals where you were talked about like what if i do more to improve and get more followers um you know but if that's the case that means you have to pull from somewhere else. Right. And if, does that mean you have to pull time away from your son, time away from your family, time away from your nine to five, right. You can squeeze one end of the balloon. It's going to inflate the other side. Right. So to create and do more means you're going to take away from somewhere else. And I think that's one of the deals is, yeah, it would be great to be Joe Rogan and have, you know, this is your main revenue stream, but that means you got to go all in on this, right? And you got to push away something else. And that's probably not, at least for me, that's not where I'm at. Like I, I can't go all in on this podcast. Um, cause I, I don't want to take away, you know, I told my wife, like if the podcast ever becomes a problem in terms of taking away, then I don't want to do it anymore. It's not worth it because it's it, it, come and go, me. you know, um, but you, you know, you are the one that I want to stick around with, right? The, the podcast can, can come and go and, and life, life rolls on. Um, so I got some funny stories on that, you know, as far as like, I'm giving the listeners a peek behind the curtain of a podcast, at least for me. I know you've got a lot more sponsors than I do, but I had my buddy who's got a marketing firm. He sponsored team player for a 2000 plays, right? He, so he paid me $15 for every thousand impressions that I got. He did it two times and I said, Hey man, I appreciate it. But like, you know, we, we never got him any business. And so he is, so we, we, we backed off there. Hey, thanks for getting me started. But that was 30 bucks I made. And then I think I've made like $29 and 80 cents from anchor ads. 
So this whole, all this work I've been over the past year, I've made like 60 bucks. And again, I couldn't care. I mean, it's not, yeah. I don't do this for money. I just do this for fun. And it's a small bonus. Yeah, I mean, it's, I'm not going to scoff at 60 bucks either. I mean, 60 more than I had. Right. Right. But I, I just, you know, people would understand, like, it's not like I'm not swimming in cash. Peter Newman might be, he's got no. more sponsors, but it's just so funny, man. But like the way to get more interaction online, you got to kind of stir the pot up a little bit. One, the one thing that I have done that's really cool. I actually host two high school sports podcasts. So seven lakes high school in Katy and South Houston high school in Pasadena. I, I am the host of the seven lakes sports podcast and the South Houston sports podcast. And it's been really good. And so I do get paid for those. So that, that's probably where I got most of my revenue as far as like, as, a, as podcasting as a job, you know? Um, but that's so much fun. Cause I, I get to, you know, during the football season, we follow the team. We also talk, we talk about all the sports. And that's really cool for those other sports to come onto the podcast, get that attention, those, you know, those parents and players to get, get a whole episode dedicated to them. So that's been really fun. But as far as like, that's more of like a steady kind of like, okay, you get this number of dollars per episode, the advertising dollars, like Peter knows, like we're not, we're not making much cash on that, but no. it's funny on my H town pick them. Like I said, the way to get more interaction is you kind of got to stir the pot a little bit. So the funny story was I was actually trying to get I've been I do a lot of games from Memorial High School, the Mustangs and Spring Branch, who you, you probably know pretty well. Mm -hmm. I, I covered a lot of their games to the point to where I actually knew the players pretty well. And they had a really good quarterback named Chase Goodwin. I was so impressed with him. He had a, he had a great game uh, against Jersey Village and he's actually committed. To, he's going to play football at Columbia in New York next year in the Ivy League. So I was kind of just trying to make some content to just just highlight these Memorial players and uh, maybe maybe even hopefully maybe the Memorial would approach me to host their sports podcast which they, they did it. But um, I, I basically like I took an excerpt of me picking Memorial to beat Cy Fair. And I was talking about how I thought Chase Goodwin was going to lead him to a victory. And I, and I the first time I learned the technology of like showing the clip of putting subtitles on it. And so that's what I did. I, I posted a clip saying, hey, Coach Kobo is picking Memorial to win this week against Cy Fair. The Cy Fair coaches got a hold of that. And I became literally bulletin board material. And it, it created a little bit of like a bunch of Cy Fair kids were kind of like, you know, talking a little bit of trash to me online, you know, but that was the most engagement I'd ever had on anything I'd ever posted. And they, they sent me a picture of actually my face, a screenshot of me and my subtitles picking Memorial to win. They, they, all the DBs had it on their locker. And I'll tell you what happened, Peter. Coach Colbo was dead wrong. <laughs> my words. They got a pick six against Chase Goodwin and they played great. And uh, so Cy Fair won that game going away. But, uh, you know, I guess that's part of it, Peter, is like I could post stuff to stir the pot and get like fan bases and people talking, but I was like, I kind of don't like that either. You know, yeah. I'm not trying to like throw shade at Cy Fair just because I'm picking Memorial. Like, so I kind of honestly, man, I didn't enjoy kind of a little bit of the Twitter people saying, oh, that pick aged poorly and stuff like that. It's not fun. I, I'm not a Twitter, like get, in, get into it with, on Twitter kind of guy. So to be honest, like I kind of shied away from some of that like interaction, but that's the kind of stuff you honestly need to do. I mean, people like Skip Bayless have made a career out of saying, saying stuff to stir the pot, but it's like, that's the other balance, right? Do I, do I just post stuff to, to be, you know, controversial and get people talking? Cause that's probably what you want. If you want to grow a fan base or do, or do I just post it for the people that, that list, love it and listen to it and just let them enjoy it. So that's one thing I've kind of had to, to think about as a podcaster for sure. Man, it's been an awesome journey and ride talking with you, Kovo, man. It, I knew this was, it was always going to be a fun episode and, and you know, I told you going into it, like we're just going to kind of pull off the dome and, you know, I just had a couple of ideas and, you know, to kind of, as we bring this to a close, uh, you know, land the plane as people like to say, right. Let's, let's play a couple of different things. One, you're, you know, 
we can't get out of here without doing some pickums, right? We got this okay. this big game coming up in a, in another weekend, right? It's called the Super Bowl, um, Chiefs and Eagles. Um, I don't know who you picked at the very beginning of the season, you know, to win I, it all. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. So I will tell you, I'll reveal that my my pick. This aged badly as well, I guess. But I, <laughs> I saw some value. The value pick to me was the Chargers. Uh-huh. I, again, I, I'm a huge Justin Herbert guy. I just thought, like, perhaps the Chargers. I know they'd, they'd upgraded their defense in the offseason. So I was like, Chargers. That was looking real good for, you know, for three quarters of a game. But uh, that ended badly. Uh, but I guess I wouldn't say that the Chargers were my actual pick. But that was kind of like my value pick, yeah. you know. Um, but I, I, I guess I would probably... If, if you ask me, like, just without thinking about the values behind the bet, like, who did I think was going to win at the beginning of the season? I, I was probably – I probably would have said Buccaneers, honestly. Yeah. So that didn't go well either. Uh, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a Michigan guy. I'm Tom Brady. I, I just – I felt like Brady would just find a way to get one more somehow and win it and ride off into the sunset that way. So Buccaneers and – Buccaneers straight up, Chargers value pick. Those were my picks. So, yeah, I've got a lot of work to do. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, so now, you know, who's in it, uh, who, who are you taking? Cause right now, and I, and I looked it up and so we're, we're recording this on February 2nd. Yours is going to release, uh, on February 8th before the Super Bowl. So, you know, what, uh, Casey is plus one and a half. Uh, who are you taking? Man. Okay. So, and I've, I've coached against Jalen Hurts. Uh-huh. And his dad, Avarian Hurts, is awesome. But you can imagine, I was at Aldean, I was head coach at Aldean. You probably can imagine how that game went. Uh, he could do whatever he wanted that night. Jalen yeah. was awesome. And Jalen is awesome, man. But I'm going to go the other way. <laughs> I'm going to upset some some Houston fans because, you know, he's our, he's our Houston native. Yeah. Although Mahomes is a Texan, so we do have that. But I just, I find it hard to bet against Mahomes. And obviously, to me, Hurts is the MVP this season. Like, I think he should win the MVP award. I think he's been the best player throughout the course of the season. But I do feel like there is kind of that that that's there's 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 steps to this, right? Kind of how like MJ would keep losing to the Pistons year after year, and eventually he got him. Like Jalen is still early on in his career. You know, I, I just feel like that the Chiefs are a little more established in that regard. Mahomes, especially, I think Mahomes. I think it's going to be a great game that's going to be very close, but I think Mahomes will find a way down the stretch to make big plays kind of similar that he did last week. Um, but I got to tell you, I think I picked almost every game wrong throughout the playoffs. So don't take what I'm saying <laughs> or anything. It's ironic that I host a pick em podcast, but I, I definitely, I thought the Bengals were going to win that game coming in. So I, I was picking Joe. I'm a you know, big Joe Burrow guy. I thought the Bengals were going to get it, but I'm going to pick, I'm not really worried about the points at one and a half. I'd rather bet it straight up, man. I'd rather take the Chiefs straight up on the money line for the value there. Yeah. You know, but yeah, I, I, I'm going Chiefs. So we'll we'll see if this one ages poorly as well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, man, watching the game last week and how dominant Philly was and then just the, the sheer will of KC – you know, with with a banged up Mahomes and and yeah. you, know, you talked about earlier bulletin board material for all you know stemming from the Cincinnati mayor and everything like man, it's just tough. And they and the Chiefs have improved their defense, um, which I thought was kind of an Achilles heel. 
in, right. the, in the last time. Um, but man, this is going to be fun. You know, two Texas high school football quarterbacks dueling it out. Um, really good defenses. I, my heart wants to go with Philly because uh, the best man at my wedding, he's, he's a Philly guy and, and he, yeah. you know, he loves the Eagles and, um, but man, I'm with you. It's hard to bet against Mahomes right now. And I, and I love your, your allusion to MJ, right. And, and how right. to deal with the Pistons and then eventually breaking that, you know, now, you know, that's, that might be where, where Philly's at right now. Right. Like we'll probably see him back here again, but you know, it, they're, they're the young team. Mahomes is, is and then the chiefs right now are, they're the hot team. Um, you know, and I, and I think, I think it's going to be one of those deals where once again, they're kind of the, you know, the underdog at, you know, well, they're not at home, but you know, it's just, I, I think it's well, like you said, the chiefs so, are the underdog, right? Yeah. So the, the Eagles are favored, you yeah, know, the Eagles are favored. So I, I don't, I'm gonna go with you and, and go with the chiefs on this one. Yeah. It, it's, it, it's honestly, it's, it almost feels like a pick them in some yeah. regards, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. it's 50, 50. So that's what, that's another way to look at it as from a sports betting angle. If, if we do kind of think it might be a coin flip, you get a little more value going chiefs, right? You get you know, a little better yeah. payout. So. <laughs> yeah. No doubt. Well, we're not going to dive into all the different prop bets. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. You know, the one thing we hadn't touched on that you have in your Twitter bio is your, it's your 430 plus Jersey. Oh yes. <laughs> my pride and joy, <laughs> but we're going to, I'm going to, I'm going to steal, I'm going to steal your game, man. You okay. cut, cut bench start. Right. Oh, I love it. We're going to rewind the clock. It's the early 2000s, right? When everybody okay. was wearing jerseys all the time, right? As as a as a normal deal. All right. But I'm going to give you um you're going to get you're going to do football. Okay? You have basketball jerseys, right? I've got them all. I've got I've got, got all four. I've got all four major US sports plus soccer. Yeah, okay. I got him. I have a problem, Peter. I, I have an addiction, <laughs> but I will promise. My since my son was born, I have stopped. I, I I can honestly say that, like, I have the the, the collection is pretty much complete. It has not. It it's been growing steadily over the past what fifteen years. It's yeah. taken me a long time to get to this many, but it has stopped. <laughs> well, it's. I have it's, no money now. Uh, gifts. Uh, <laughs> I can't hey, buy him anymore. Yeah. Um. Well, let's go. Let's go. Football basketball baseball and then i'll let you uh i'll let you do a fourth one so you know top jerseys for football what's one if you if you had to if you had to sell it or get rid of it right the cut one that you know you will you will rotate off the bench but the one that you're always can never go wrong wearing it football football let's see here okay so you're, you're actually so you're actually asking me one of them is to pick a jersey i don't like is that yes. kind of what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I like that. I like that. I like that. <laughs> Let's see, man. Uh, let me start with with this for football. The start. This is one that I get a lot of compliments for when I wear it around, and I like it. It's my Hardy Nickerson jersey for okay. the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's one that immediately jumps to mind. It's it's old orange creamsicle style. Yeah. You know, uh, which I wish the Bucks would go back to that. I think that 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 uniform was was sick. Obviously, they lost a lot of games, so they tried to move away from it and they wore right, it. They right. kind of changed their look, but I think I'm gonna start. Yeah, I think I'm gonna start Hardy Nickerson, old number 56, uh, the Cal grad uh there uh for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. A cut. 
I think I'm going to be petty here. I think I, I I do have a Cowboys gear, even though I'm not a Cowboys fan. <laughs> and so, uh, no, I can't. I can't do it. I can't do it because my Cowboys jersey is actually Daryl Moose Johnston, and I love oh, him. Man. I love fullbacks. I love that Twitter one about like you know last of the fullbacks or whatever. Like, yeah. so I'm I'm not going to go there. I'm going to be would... even. I'm going to go even pettier. I'm going to go even pettier. I'm going to cut my Texans jersey because I'm not a Texans fan. I yeah. love the Oilers. I, I've got awesome Oilers stuff, and so maybe that'll be my my second one. I'll keep my Oilers. My I love my my white Warren Moon. Oh, so yeah. my, my away Warren Moon is just clean, bro. I love and I love Warren Moon. Everything they did for the city. So I'm gonna say my cream. Let's actually let's do that. Let let let's let's start my Warren Moon away jersey, the white, the okay. white jersey for Warren Moon. Let's bench Hardy Nickerson, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, orange creamsicle, and then let's cut my Texans jersey because I am a hater. I, I I'm an Oilers guy, and now I'm a Roughnecks, and I'm I'm a I'm a Roughnecks season ticket holder, and uh. And I'm also gonna be a Houston Gamblers guy. So my Texans jersey, and I've got I have an inventory here that I'm looking back at because I can't remember <laughs> off the top of my head. I'm going to cut, let's see what I got for the Texans. I've got Jason Babin, Jay Foreman, and Kylie Wong. I love Jay Foreman back in the day. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna cut Jason Babin. Uh, Western so. Michigan guy. I'm, I'm gonna cut Jason yeah. Babin for the Texans. Yeah, no, no doubt. No, no, JJ Watt jersey. I never had it because I'm so I'm like so retro of a guy. Oh, I got all you. of my jerseys that kind of like that I bought like when the Texans first started. I I didn't really get into the newer Texans because like, by that you. point I was already kind of not not yeah. feeling. It. <laughs> yeah. All right. What about basketball? Man, my my start. I love this dude. It's it's my it's an old Milwaukee Bucks jersey. Okay. It's my Sydney Moncrief. Okay. I just love the old Bucks. I love the old Bucks logo, like back on NBA Live. It's like a, a, a cartoon Buck spinning a basketball on yeah. his finger. Yeah. And I just love Sidney Moncrief. One thing I love is when Michael Jordan recognizes people that were like didn't get enough run. He talks about Mitch Richmond and Sidney Moncrief. Mm. And I love both of those two guys. So I'm gonna say my my start is gonna be that that Sidney Moncrief. It's just clean, man. It's the white with the green trim and not like the dark green that they do now, more of like yeah. a, a lighter green. Uh, so I'm gonna go Sidney Moncrief. My bench, I think I am gonna go with Mitch Richmond. I have a Mitch Richmond Sacramento Kings jersey. Okay, that was really hard to find because again, part of my I, I wanted something from every franchise and old retro Sacramento Kings jerseys. Like I'm talking the ones before they went to purple and black. So before oh, okay. Chris Webber, yeah, before yeah. Chris Webber and uh, White Chocolate and all them. Yeah, they wore like a, a royal blue jersey with red trim. Yeah. And so that was really hard for me to find. So I'm going to go my Mitch Richmond. And so now one that I want to cut. So it's one that I don't like. Ooh, who do I not like? I guess my. Uh, I hated the Oklahoma City Thunder when I I, I just yeah. the rivalry between the Rockets and the Thunder. Yeah. And I, I guess I'll go. I, I have um, I have two Thunder jerseys, man. I, I guess I'll. And they're, they're new ones. I, I guess I'll have to cut my Josh Giddy jerseys. My is my new Thunder jersey. But I, I had to have it just to have it. But yeah. I'm not a, I'm not a fan of the Thunder, so that's my cut. Yeah. Oh, there you go, there you go. All right, and uh, and baseball. Man, that that you know what? I love. I have a Cincinnati Reds jersey that I think is clean. It's a Barry Larkin jersey. Okay. I love like it's a it's the white you know with the old Cincinnati C on it. I uh-huh. think that'll be my start. And also, it's got an American flag patch because it's from the World Series that they played. Okay. And so it's, it's a replica of that. So I'm gonna go Barry Larkin. Is my start Cincinnati Reds? Oh, cut! I, I let's do that. Let's let's. No oh man, cut! I I I hate the Yankees. 
<laughs> I'm I'm not a Yankees fan, and I that's actually I don't I don't technically have a New York Yankees jersey actually, so I guess I can't go there. Oh my gosh, you're, yeah, got me on the spot here. Let me bench. I have a Hideo Nomo jersey. I also <laughs> wow. hate the Dodgers. So that's I'm gonna go bench in the middle because like I love him because okay. he's Japanese, but I hate yeah. the Dodgers. So I'm gonna bench my Hideo Nomo jersey. And let's just say an honorary cut. If I did have a Yankees jersey, it would be cut. And I don't even have cut. one. That, that's that's actually I do not have Yankees jerseys, but that'd be my cut. Gotcha. That's awesome. I can I can agree with all of those. Fantastic, man. All right. Well, I'm gonna put you on the spot one more time. I know you're not a Texans fan, and and I would. I love the new hire, though. That's what you're about to I, ask. That's, me. Yeah, yeah, I do too. I do too. Like, like I'm a Texans fan, but I over the last couple of seasons, I've really just, I felt like there was an ownership. It was a, it was a top down deal. Once, once Bob McNair passed, and I don't know how much he had already started pushing towards his kids. Like, there was just like there was just things that they, they did as an organization that I really just. It just wasn't vibing in any way. So with the D'Amico Ryan's hire, right, trying to kind of rekindle some of that mystique from, you know, that little short-lived run when they were pretty decent, um, you know, Houston Gamblers, Houston Roughnecks, Houston Texans, who has a better record at the end of 2023? So that's not the full NFL season. Right. And I don't know how many games each one, but obviously you can just go based off percentage. Right. Yeah. Of those 10 game, it's a 10 game season for the Roughnecks. 10 game for the the 10 game. I imagine, I imagine Gambler is probably similar. Probably similar. Right. So, so, and I don't remember how many games you're probably going to have the majority, you're going to have the majority of your NFL games before the end of of 2023. Right. There's only a few that'll carry over, not, you know, regular season. So, Obviously, everybody has a chance to be 500, worse or better. Percentage-wise, of those three teams, who's going to have a better percentage? I got to go Roughnecks. Okay. I got to go Roughnecks a couple reasons. Before it shut down, the Roughnecks have never lost a game in the XFL, in, in this new iteration, right? So in yeah. 2020, they were 5-0. I actually went to, the, I went to the first and last ever Roughnecks game at TDCU Stadium. Uh-huh. I'll never forget. They beat the Seattle Sea Dragons. And that was right when the COVID COVID hit. And I, you know, it was almost immediately like the next day was that famous uh, Rudy Gobert coughing on the microphone at the the Jazz and Thunder game. And that's when all hell broke loose and all the sports shut down. Right. So they've never lost a game. So, and again, it's, it's in in, in leagues like this, there's a huge turnover on the roster. So it's going to be a completely different roster, but I'm I'm just going to feel like the Roughnecks are a well-run organization. I don't even know if the same people are in leadership positions, but right, they've never lost. So I'm I'm not going to fade the Roughnecks. I think the Roughnecks are going to be the best. I think the Gamblers, if you followed them last year, they led the league in close losses. Kevin Sumlin okay. is their coach of A&M fame. They were famous for everybody always said, you know, bet against the Roughnecks in the second half because they mm-hmm. several games in a row they were winning at halftime. They lost the lead and mm-hmm. lost in dramatic fashion. So. I think the Texans and the Gamblers are kind of more towards the bottom. Um, I guess I'll go Gamblers too and Texans last, just because even though I I love Coach Ryan's, like I still feel like the 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 Texans are in a big rebuild. Oh yeah, that's another thing in the NFL. That's there's more continuity, right? So you actually have to rebuild in these you know spring leagues. 
the whole roster is turnover every year anyway with new players. So it's hard to see, it's hard to forecast who's going to be the best. So it's kind of a crapshoot. So that's how I'm going to, I'm going to say Roughnecks would be your, your number one gamblers. Number two Texans, although going in the right direction, finally, I think they'll be third. Okay. All right. I'm going to get you out of here on this one. All right. Two, two more, two more. Two okay. Oh, that's fun. Is this a legitimate for for real retirement for Tom Brady? <laughs> are we going to have a, a, a take three psych? I'm coming back. Great question. I'm going to put the, now that I'm, I'm into sports betting, I always think odds and percentages. Like I, I'm going to say it's more than 50% that he's done. I think it is more likely that he is, it, this is legitimate, but I think the odds of him coming be- back are still strong. You know what I mean, man? So yeah, I'm going to say maybe 62, 63 and a half percent that he's done. Yeah. Maybe something like that, you know, because I just think he cares a lot about his legacy. And so I think he wants to own the record books. Because to me, it was kind of surprising that when him and when Drew Brees retired, like Brees still had him in some in, in like touchdowns or passing yards, or he had him in a couple of statistical categories. Yeah, you know. And so I think that's a big reason why Brady kept coming back was he wanted to distance himself from Brees and get as big of a lead as he could before anybody could catch him. And so I still think he can play. To me, like he dropped off significantly this year. Like last year, he had a great year, and this yeah. year was a big drop off. But he's to me, he's still better than like when I saw like old Ben Roethlisberger, late Drew Brees, uh, Philip Rivers, Peyton Manning. Those four, I felt like really dropped off. I don't think that Tom Brady's arm strength and arm talent has dropped off as much as those guys did in their last year. You know, you see what I'm saying? So I, yeah. I think Brady is better than all four of them in their last season. So he could come back. And I think it's going to, if, if somebody with an intriguing offer, whether, you know, Las Vegas or somebody comes to him and says, hey, Tom, would you come back? I, I think he he might he may. But at the same time, I think he's so worried about his legacy too. He doesn't want to stink it up in his last year. And he's kind of obviously he is regressing. He's what 43, 44 years old. Yeah. I mean, of course, but so and that that's my answer, Peter. I I I think he's done, but I'm there's still a pretty large percentage he could come back, in my opinion. All right, last one here. Uh I've seen it kind of gain some some deal. So I don't know if this is already in the works or whatnot, but JJ Watt becoming a coach now that he's re- retiring as a player. And then there's clamoring to, for him to join D'Amico's staff in Houston. What do you think? Fake news. Uh, you know, maybe <laughs> hot or cold or in or out. I'm out on that one. And okay. the, here's my reason. Like to me, he had a great season. I felt like he had maybe one of his best years in, in recent memory to me from just, and I, I don't watch the Cardinals exclusively, but I was, I watch, I don't, I watch NFL, you know, red zone and I'm mm-hmm. watching clip and he's making a lot of plays. And uh, I feel like he could have kept playing. He just, he made the conscious decision. I want to be a dad is what I felt like, you know, I felt like, cause he, I think he walked away before, which is, I totally applaud that. Um, but I think it's the same rules going to apply. You know how it is coaching. He's going to be working probably maybe more hours now as an NFL coach. Right. Than he was as a player, potentially, you know. Uh, so I don't think he wants to do that. I, I think that he does not want, especially because he's got such a strong social media presence. A lot of times, guys like this that have this strong social media presence, they don't go into coaching afterwards. Peyton Manning started his own production company. Tom Brady just got hired by CBS, right? Tony Rowe, you know, these he, he is one of those people that has a, a, a big following. And yeah. so I think he's going to stay more in the media 
genre if he does anything at all if he doesn't just be a, a full-time you know dad uh but I, I that's what i see i do not see jj coming to coach gotcha i love it man well i'm excited to kind of you know we'll keep these you know posted and and, and kind of see and check in especially once the uh the gamblers and the roughnecks kick off and then obviously yeah. you know we'll find out real soon if if you know Tom's going to come back because, yeah. you know, training camp will be here before we know it. And, and you know, whether or not JJ stays full-time dad or, or whatever, but, but Kovo, man, I appreciate everything you're doing for coaches and, and the platform you provide for them. And, you know, just, just continuing to, to make, you know, coaches a, a forefront um, and, and just, you know, sports in general, high school sports in the, in the state of Texas, particularly in the Houston area, I love it, man. I don't think there's enough words to describe what it means for for probably the kids. They don't even realize it, but just the exposure and, and the passion that you bring to it, man. It's awesome. So I appreciate you for all that. Likewise, man. And appreciate all y'all do, man. The coaches are my heroes, my buddies, my, my best friends in the world, man. So I'm honored that I can do whatever part I can play. Um, like I told you, you know, I'm, I'm actually in the process of trying to, of moving. So we're actually moving out to the Katy area. So, uh, my little boy is going to be going through that Katy tiger system. If he wants to play football, I mean, that, that's going to be just a dream as a dad, uh, just to watch that. If, if he chooses to do that, whatever he does, of course, I'm going to, I'm going to be proud, but, um, I'm all in for Texas high school football, man. I love it. So that obviously influenced my decision on where, <laughs> where or our decision, you know, where we're going to live, but, uh, Love it, man. Thanks for all you do. Huge fan of the show. And uh, again, just honored that I, that I made it here. This, this has been a huge privilege for me. No doubt, man. Well, everybody, there, there's plenty of links that I'll post in the show notes, uh, the YouTube, um, Coach Kobo's Twitter, Team Player Podcast. Like, make sure you guys you know, rate, review, subscribe, help him out, help, help grow his brand. Uh, it's just so much great stuff. I'm excited to, to go back and rewatch some of the uh, the high school picks from the season and you now, now I have a new thing to add to my YouTube you know rotation so I'm I'm excited for it brother appreciate it man